for our first message today. We have a split sermon from Mr. Doyle Carter entitled, This New House. Mr. Carter. cups of coffee help, you know? It, it's funny, I get rid of the Dr. Pepper habit just to drink more coffee than I drink Dr. Pepper. I don't know how, how that came out. Is it on? Yeah, it's on. Okay. Yeah, that's what they say at work, I'm wired. For someone who's 50-something years old, I have a lot more energy than I always say. There, are we ready? We'll start over again. There, good. The title is This New House. This actually came from a show that I used to watch, and I actually was talking to Dad last night and realized some other things we'll talk in a second. But this old house was a show, it, and the Google calls it this old, this old House Home Improvement and Remodeling. It aired in February, two, February of 1979 on February 20th, so it's 41 years old. It actually still runs, ironically. I had no idea. I was like... The only reason I say that is because Dad and I were discussing it last night because we're, we're discussing something else. And I had mentioned it, and he said, you do realize the Home Improvement Show, the Home Improvement Channel has like a whole bunch of shows that go into how you improve an old home. And the premise is very, very, very similar to the other premises of the other ones where they take a home that's not with the building code, or well, it doesn't look like it anyway, how you live in some of those houses, but anyway, you, you, they're, they're homes that need to be remodeled. They go in, and I'm sure it's for money on, on TV, and they go in and remodel like they will break down walls to, be, to make more space in a room. Because if you know already, if you haven't already known, I'm looking for a home. And one home I looked at actually did that. How they did is they took out a wall, they put pillars up in the living room where the support beams were, and they made the living room huge. Dad didn't like the pillars, so he shot that pretty quick. But... But the point is, the remodeling was my motivation of the speech today, or my message. And I remember Bob Vila more, and I, I think it was Bob Vila who was originally a part of it. Now they got a, what, Kevin O'Connor, whoever he is. That shows how much I watch the show. I know there's a twins who actually do it, do work with houses as well, and they make good money, and some others. And we can relate to this in many ways in a spiritual way. Because when we, before we come to Christ or come to God, we're just like those homes. Our lives are a mess. If they aren't, they're going to become a mess, either way you look at it. I know my life wasn't exactly as strong. I mean, I entered the church real young, but at the same time, I can tell you that if God did not enter, I wouldn't be here today. We'll just end it with that. We wouldn't be here. I wouldn't be here today. There'd be other issues. And our lives are chaotic and crazy because of we, had no, we didn't have God. Then upon repentance and baptism, we start to transform ourselves. We start transforming our home, so to speak, our spiritual home from the way it was, which was more worldly and not exactly quite correct. 
and we start remodeling it to where it's the way it should be. And we know this is a fact because Paul spoke, spoke about it in Romans. You all know this scripture. How we're supposed to transform ourselves as we into godly character. In Romans 12, 1 through 2. Romans 12, 1 through 2. Okay. I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies as a a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service. And do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove what is, what, what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. So thus, when God gets into our lives, we are to be transforming ourselves. A lot of little facts I'm going to throw out, and there may not be a lot of them, but there will be a few. I'm getting from a great course that I've been watching. It's called Everyday Engineering, Understanding the Marvels of Daily Life. And one of the things it covers is the home. And there was a lot of things I was not aware about, the complications of a home, that just all the stuff that goes on, like why the joists, why the support beams are where they're at, why the foundation's the way it is. That's why, why you do all the stuff that you do. And now we know that Jesus compares our faith somewhat to a home. Matthew, the title of the main scripture, Matthew 7, 24 through 27. Remember I said transformation. It says in Matthew 7, 24 through 27, Therefore, whosoever heareth these sayings of mine and does them, I will liken him to a wise man who builds his house on the rock. And the rain, descend, the rain descended, and the flood came, and the winds blew and beat on the house, and it did not fall, for it was founded on the rock. And he makes a comparison, now according to the reverse, but everyone who hears these sayings of mine and does not do them will be like a foolish man who builds his house on the sand. And the rain descended, and the floods, floods came, and the winds blew and beat on that house, and it fell, and it was a great fall. This leads to my first point, foundations. God has, is placing, in, at least in our spiritual life, a new foundation, or some of us have had this foundation for a while, but he's placing a new foundation, which is Jesus Christ. And the reason I said the great courses is I was going into some of the, the course part of it, of the foundation. And it was really interesting. I'll tell you a story. I told you I was looking for houses. I'll, I'll just tell you a story. Here you go. We went to see a house that my dad just said, no. But we went to look. I went in respect to the realtor I had. And we're in the living room. Okay, so realize about where that piano is. is where she's at. I'm over here. She said, look at me. I said, okay. Now realize, she's three inches shorter than me. She actually was almost level to me. And she said, look at the floor. And it was going, the foundation had literally settled out on one side of the house. And she said, I just want to point this out to you. They've already shimmied the bottom, but it's going to always be this way. And I, my dad went, no, <laughs> we're not paying that kind of money for that kind of but it was just funny. She said, look, and I went, yeah, you are about level. And, says, 
And she also told, told some other hints, like she looked, we looked at the, uh, the walls and noticed there was cracks near the support joints. And she said, yeah. See, I'm teaching how to look at the houses. <laughs> Foundations are very important. And there's ways of stopping that kind of settling. Uh, one is the footing, how the footing is put together. I, I kind of went over my head when he went over that, but I get the gist. You know, there's ways of making the footing really strong if you don't have bedrock. And you can also waterproof it. I think you can put plastic underneath the foundation to kind of keep it from getting wet so it doesn't crack and start settling and erode. And I think you can, and from what I'm understanding from him, if you're on a hill like this, you can actually allow the water to divert away from you. So you can protect the foundation. A home without a strong foundation will be moved or shift or maybe worse. That is why many of the many types of footing and methods are used to protect this, like waterproofing and so forth. One person, I don't, I, Hinkley, I think as he said, I just liked his quote. He said, you can't build a great building on a weak foundation. You must have a strong foundation if you're going to have a strong superstructure. And that's very true. You can't, you've got to have a strong foundation. And we do in our spiritual life. In our spiritual life, we're going to have, we will have a strong foundation. Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ is the, our strong, strong foundation. Because before conversion, we don't have that. And that's why we get kind of wishy-washy like at work. I've heard people say various things and don't see. They'll say one thing that contradicts another. There's no real foundation for them to build on. They just believe what they believe. But Jesus Christ is our foundation. That's who God gives us. A cornerstone, and he's our, and by the way, he's not just foundation. He is our chief cornerstone, which will be the point I'm going to make. A chief cornerstone is defined, yes, I'm reading off of Google. A chief cornerstone is defined as a rock upon which the weight of the entire structure rests. It is the cornerstone. Scripture describes Jesus as the chief cornerstone of our faith. As the chief cornerstone, Jesus ensures the stability of the whole system of our salvation. Jesus was and is the only plan for salvation. I picked up the wrong notes and made two of them, but I remember what I was going to tell you. Joseph, it's too bad he's not here. I was watching something on one of the great courses. Same, same guy, I can't, I forgot his name. You think I'd remember because he's a real good teacher. He was talking about the pyramids. And apparently there was a, there's a step pyramid I wish Joseph was here. He could tell me which one. It goes like this. You know, the step pyramids where they don't have look like this. But on one of them, there's rubble all around it. Well, they discovered there was a cornerstone that they had stuck on, on, around it. But unfortunately, it was built on sand. And they're suspecting, they don't know for sure. But the, the new pharaohs, when they came around, decided to make this step. You know, step... Um, pyramid into a regular pyramid. But unfortunately, they put the, corner, the, the cornerstones on sand. So when, at, over time, it must have collapsed because all of a sudden, all the limestone just went whoom, and we're back to the old <laughs> pyramid that was stepped. And that wouldn't make sense. And that's, just, that, that's how important a cornerstone is. We know that Peter considered Jesus Christ as our cornerstone of our faith. He says in Acts 4, Verses 10 through 12. 
Let it be known. Now, in this case, he's addressing a group after he had healed someone. And, he had, and this is what he says. Let it be known to you, you all, and to all the people of Israel, that by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, whom you crucified, whom God rose from the dead, by him this man stands before you whole. I healed. This is the stone which was rejected by your, you, you builders, which has became the chief cornerstone. Nor is there salvation in any other name, for there is no other name under heaven given among men by which you must be saved. So he is the only means. And he repeats it again about Jesus being the cornerstone in 1 Peter 2. 4 through 6. 1 Peter 2, 4 through 6. And he says, Come to him as the living stone, rejected indeed by men, but chosen by God and precious. You also, a living stone, are being built up a spiritual house, a holy priesthood, to offer up spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. Therefore, it is also contained in the scriptures, saying, Behold, I lay in Zion a chief cornerstone, elect, precious, he and he who believes on him by no means be put to shame. So he's our chief cornerstone. Jesus Christ to our faith is the chain. And he's not mobile. He can't be moved. He's and just one more on that. And Paul, just to throw one other person in, says the identical same thing about our faith being established or built upon Jesus Christ. Colossians 2, 6 through 7. Colossians 2, 6 through 7 says, As you therefore have received Jesus Christ, Lord, so walk in him, rooted and built up in him, and established in faith as you have been taught Abounding in, in it with all thanksgiving. But we've got a chief cornerstone, Jesus Christ, in our life that will secure us. And like that house that, like I said, I thought that was funny that she said that, that goes like this. Or many other houses I've actually seen where I guess Tulsa has like some areas that are just kind of sandy. So it's kind of hard to really find a, a solid home sometimes. So, this leads to the second point. So it's not just the corner. It's not just the cornerstone we're looking at. God, second, God. My second point. God has established a code of ethics, like a building code for a house, as a framework to improve our lives, to help us remodel our lives, help us to improve our lives. And it takes time. And. That's the way it works. Because I know, because I was sitting here looking at a house, and I was talking about how some of the walls were painted goofy. Uh, we were looking at one house, and I told Dad, I remember, I don't know which house it was, but one of the walls was pink. Okay, you got to realize, guy, don't like pink. <laughs> I'm sure it was made for a little girl or something. But, I mean, it's one of the rooms. I mean, ugh. And somebody had painted one of the walls blue, but left the rest of them whatever. And Dad said, that's cosmetic. We can remodel that if it came down to it. <laughs> it just, ugh, that wasn't to my building code. Yeah. I mean, I don't, it, just, it, did, it just seemed like it was really off the norm. 
But that can be changed. So if the house was passable, you could go in and change it or take out a wall or kind of move it around a little bit if you want it. And it does work because as, as somebody said a few weeks ago to me, you know, change is constant. And if you allow Christ to be your foundation, you will constantly change as you start realizing the items in your life that needs to be remodeled or changed. It happens. I mean, like I told you once, I've watched certain movies, uh, you know, just like science fiction and horror that I, didn't, I shouldn't watch. Finally, it dawned on me that wasn't what I was supposed to do. And I finally got stopped. And it just, you know, it's, the shows were just garbage. Or, I don't know, TV's garbage anyway half the time, so go figure. Now, let's go on to Ephesians 2, 19 through 20. Ephesians 2, 19 through 20. I'm talking about framework. It says, Now, therefore, you are no longer strangers and foreigners, but fellow citizens with the saints and members of the household of God, having been built on the foundation of the apostles and the prophets, Jesus Christ himself being the chief cornerstone. So now we can say we're also built on, have a foundation built on the apostles, what they've shown us, and the prophets. And I would even go as far as, anyway, we'll jump ahead of the story. But God has also given us a building code to worry through the prophets and the apostles, a sort of building code. When you read Paul, you kind of, hear, he tells you how we should live as Christians. He adds to it. And the prophets tell us in the, in the Old Testament to repent, and they say about sin, talk about sin. And one point I want to make, because I, I was rehearsing this in front of a friend. He said, you think the law saves you. No, I didn't say the law saves you. I said what it does. So this is how I said it, and this is off the cuff now. I said, it helps improve your life to a better life. That's what it does. You just, you're warned not to do certain things in life that will harm you. That's what the law is for. It builds godly character. Because he's a Baptist, and he kind of thought I meant that I was going back and going, well, you think the law is going to save you. No, it doesn't save anyone. It just gives you a better life. It shows you the wrong and the rights in life, and it gives you a framework, just like your house. You know, you, there's certain ways you have to frame a home or it'll collapse. That's it. It won't do what it's supposed to do. Like I didn't realize, uh, let's see, what was it? Like, like I was talking about support beams. You've got to have certain things in your life that are like support beams or, or facts. You must follow because that's the way it is or else the house will start creaking or cracking or whatever it's going to do. We see Jesus himself saying in Matthew 5, 17, 17 through 19, Sermon on the Mount. Apparently he must have been accused of this, so he had to definitely defend himself. In Matthew 5, 17 through 19. Do not, do not think that I have come to destroy the law of the prophets. I do not come to destroy, but to fulfill. For surely I say to you, till heaven and earth pass away, one, not one jot or tittle will by no means pass from the law till all is fulfilled. Whosoever therefore breaks one of these commandments and teach men so, shall be least, shall be called least in the kingdom of heaven. But whoever, whoever does and teach them, he shall be great in the kingdom of heaven. 
And then from that point, he actually expands on the law. He talks about adultery. If somebody looks at somebody with the thought, if you call your brother fool, an idiot, and you just act mad, you basically equivalent to hated him. Not quite, I mean, he may not have meant to, but, and he goes on to other laws. He just expounds on it. It's a framework to work with. Israel rejected that framework, and what happened to it? I mean, it just went into paganism, like we've heard many sermons from Steve and others, and when they just rejected God and his worship, they just went off to other, they just fell apart. And we know that it, the law is good for us in the sense, I'm not trying to beat that point across, I just was going to make a point that the law and the commandments are awesome for us because it helps us because we just don't always know right. We know that David in Psalms 19, 119 says in verse 105, in Psalms 119, 105, somebody's writing, make sure she got the notes, says, your word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. It's to help illuminate. Because if you think about it, like the building codes, they had a bridge, this is again off the cuff, but it had a bridge many, many years ago that they thought could hold the weight, and a storm came through, and it, I guess it, uh, maybe Steve knows, he can tell me more later, but it was, a, it was noted in the news that like over 30 people died, because it was, or some weird number, because the bridge started to sway. I mean, it just, it wasn't built to code, and when the storm came, it just literally collapsed, and people just fell into the, I mean, it was just terrible. And because it wasn't a code, and there's houses out there that I've looked at, I've wondered if they were actually built to code too sometimes. But anyway, <laughs> but they're not solid, and the law just gives us that option. It says in Psalms 119, verses 97 through 102, it says, Oh, how I love your law. It is my meditation, meditation all the day. You, through your commandments, make me wiser than my enemies. For... They are ever with me. So his enemies are always with them. I have more understanding than all my teachers. For your testimony, testimonies are my meditation. I understand more than the ancients. Because I kept your precepts, I have restrained my feet from evil ways. Tells you how to stay away from that. That, I'm, that I may keep your word and... I do have not departed from your judgments, for you, for you yourself have taught me. He meditated on them. He thought about them. It's like, and we know that it's not just the law, it's not the prophets, it's the entire Bible that we could use for our study. This entire book. It says in 2 Timothy 3, 16 through 17. 2 Timothy 3, 16 through 17. All the scriptures given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine and for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness that the man of God may be complete, thoroughly equipped for every work. In summary, God has called us out of the world on this weak foundation, on, off the weak foundations we got. Because I mean, just to throw in, I read some of the other religions they all sound like mishmashes. I think Reggie said they're pretty much a mishmash of everybody anyway. They kind of follow each other. I forget them half the time because, like God says, you don't need to meditate on it. And, it, and it, they're real weak, actually, if you think about it. I mean, one doesn't believe there's a God, but you've got to live a good life. One believes that, you know, whatever. But God himself has set up a foundation for our faith. 
And it's very similar to a home. I mean, you've got to I live in a solid home. You've got to have a good foundation. And in this case, our faith, our religion, or whatever you want to call it, is based on Jesus Christ, what he has taught us, what he has taught us, and what he said. He is the chief cornerstone of our faith. Plus, to assist us in life struggles, God has also provided us a code of ethics, like a building code. You know, the building code tend, for houses tend to be a little, uh, a little too uh, controlling sometimes. Even the lecturer made that point. <laughs> but anyway, but God is not. That's the good side. That we should follow to avoid life storms. Or if we get caught up in life storms, we learn how to handle it. Or we, and we can call on him for help. With the framework, we can, we can withstand the storms, the floods of life that hit us, whether it's sickness, because this week I was kind of shocked to hear one of our individuals had a stroke. I'm sure it'll be announced later. I'm not worried about it, but it caught me off guard. Like, whoa. You know, the, the life struggles we've got to go through. And this, was, this came to mind because of the following. In two months or so, I know, because we almost thought about getting a house, and I was figuring, oh, my gosh, i got six weeks to figure this out, and I realized Passover was coming around about the same time, so I'm glad it kind of fell through. <laughs> Don't want to have to deal with that during Passover. In about two months is it's Passover. And just wanted to remind you, just wanted to remind you to inspect your spiritual home the foundation, of course, foundation is Christ, so it's solid. But inspect your, you know, inspect your spiritual home. See if it's up to code the next couple of months. You know, just read the Bible, whether it's Jesus' words, Paul, the Old Testament, whichever, just the whole Bible. Read it. And in any areas that you need to start remodeling, so to speak, start to remodel on it. Change it. Make it more acceptable to the codes. And remember that Jesus is Christ and God is there to assist us in our remodeling of our life that we, as we approach our goal toward a righteous life and to become more like him. And everybody have a great Sabbath.